Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Warren and I bring you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's program, Norma McCorvey, the Roe of Roe v. Wade, is the subject of a new documentary that has pro-life groups up in arms. Also on today's program, God TV is generating controversy because of its programming in Israel. And Planned Parenthood mistakenly got $80 million in COVID relief funding, but will they give it back? Up first is news that famed apologist Ravi Zacharias has died following a short battle with an aggressive cancer. He was 74 years old. His daughter, Sarah Davis, made the announcement on the website of Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, the global apologetics ministry that Ravi founded. She wrote, it was his savior, Jesus Christ, that my dad always wanted most to talk about, even in his final days, until he lacked the energy and breath to speak, he turned every conversation to Jesus and what the Lord had done. He perpetually marveled that God took a 17-year-old skeptic, defeated in hopelessness and unbelief, and called him into a life of glorious hope and belief in the truth of Scripture, a message that he would carry around the globe for 48 years. Zacharias has battled several health issues in recent months, including emergency back surgery. These follow 48 years in ministry, during which Zacharias had traveled to over 70 countries as an international speaker and has written and edited more than 25 books on topics such as apologetics and theology. He founded RZIM in 1984 and launched Zacharias Institute, an apologetics training center in 2017 in Atlanta, Georgia, where he lived with his wife, Margie. When RZIM announced a week ago that Zacharias was sick with cancer, many friends and followers posted messages on Twitter with the hashtag, thank you, Ravi, to express gratitude for his ministry. Uh, through the years, Ravi Zacharias has been a role model on how to powerfully and persuasively defend the gospel while being gentle and winsome. That tweet came from Lee Strobel, himself a famed apologist. Lee Strobel went on to say, I've always appreciated his personal warmth when we partnered. Ravi, I love who you are and what you've done. Zachariah's family asked that in lieu of flowers, gifts be made to the ongoing work at RZIM. Ravi's heart was people, Sarah Davis said. His passion and his life's work centered on helping people understand the beauty of the gospel message of salvation. Our prayer is that at his passing, more people will come to know the saving grace found in Jesus through Ravi's legacy and the global team at Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Yeah, Ravi Zacharias' career, though, was not without controversy. In 2017, a scandal erupted when a woman claimed that Zacharias had an inappropriate relationship with her. Zacharias sued the woman, and the case was settled out of court. The terms of the settlement were hidden behind a non-disclosure agreement. We reported on that controversy then, and you can find our analysis by going to the ministrywatch.com website and typing Ravi Zacharias into the search engine. In other news, Warren, a new survey from 
polling firm Gallup found a new low in the percentage of Americans giving money to charity. About 73% of U.S. adults say that they donated money to a charitable organization during the last year. And that's a new low, surpassing the prior low from the Great Recession era. Uh, Gallup polling in prior years had found that about 80% of U.S. adults had donated money to a religious or other type of charity in the most recent year. The only exception in recent years was 2009, uh, that Great Recession year, uh, during the worst year that we'd had since the Great Depression. And that number dipped down to 79%. So this drop to 73% was significant. Yeah, it really was significant. Uh, despite all the activity regarding COVID-19, fewer than one-third, about 29% actually, have done anything in terms of donating to coronavirus relief funds. And the volunteer activity is dropping too, in part because we're unable to leave our homes. Yeah, you kind of got to give people a pass on that because you're right, you can't get out of your house too much these days. But still, the lowest volunteer year recorded by Gallup was 2009, and that was 55%. Now, today's number was 58%. It's slightly higher than that, but it's down from 64% in the prior year. And in fact, it's mostly been in the mid-60s for the last few years. In addition to donating their time and money, the poll this year found that 60% of Americans say that they've also donated food. But we don't have a number to compare this to because this is the first year that Gallup has asked people about making food donations. And blood donations are down as well. Yeah, that's right. Gallup uh, had asked Americans about giving blood six other times since 2001. The current reading of 13% is the lowest number that Gallup has ever measured. And while we're on this subject, there's another survey out this week that confirms the Gallup poll saying that people are giving less. And that's a survey of nonprofits saying that they're receiving less. Yeah, that's right. The other side of the coin, you might say, from the Gallup survey. Donors are giving less and they're harder to reach by the organizations that uh, want them to give. Uh, these are two of the findings of a survey by the Charities Aid Foundation America. Almost 95% of organizations say that they've been negatively affected by COVID-19, most commonly, again, through reduced contributions. Warren, we've got to take a little break, but when we return, a spat between God TV and the government of Israel highlights the complicated relationship evangelicals have with that country. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs. We'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch Weekly Podcast. 
Up next, a controversy related to God TV exposes tensions between Israel and evangelicals. God TV was founded in the United Kingdom in 1995 and eventually grew into a 24-hour network with offices in several countries. Its international headquarters is now in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, God TV boasted to its supporters that it was a miracle that it had secured a TV license in Israel. As it turns out, it wasn't a miracle that got him the license. It was a promise, an agreement not to evangelize Jews on the air. And now the evangelical broadcaster is under investigation for doing just that, and its license might be yanked. Yeah, when God TV uh, reached a seven-year contract uh, earlier this year with HOT, uh, Israel's main cable provider, it presented itself as producing content for Christians living there. But in a video message that has since been taken down, God TV CEO Ward Simpson suggested that its real aim was to convince Jews to accept Jesus as their Messiah. This is what Simpson said in the video. God has supernaturally opened the door for us to take the gospel of Jesus into the homes and lives and hearts of his Jewish people. They'll watch secretly, they'll watch quietly, but God is restoring his people. God is removing the blindness from their eyes. I would think that a lot of evangelicals might be just fine with this. Well, you're right. They are. And by the way, so am I. I'm very much in favor of evangelism to all people. As the Bible says, every tribe and every nation. But here's the problem. God TV specifically said that it wasn't going to do this. So now the communications ministry said that it was investigating what they're now calling a discrepancy between the application for the license that was granted in March, which said that the channel was going to be focused on the Christian community and its actual content, which in fact does appear to be targeting Jews and trying to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah. So what happens next? Well, the investigation continues, and it is possible, as you suggested, that God TV could lose their right to broadcast in Israel. And it's important to note that other Christian groups have not been rallying around God TV in this controversy. In fact, the Christian Embassy Jerusalem is one group that's been operating in Israel for a long time, and they're saying that God TV is undoing years of relationship building that Christians have been engaged in in Israel. Uh, Simpson said God TV has hired lawyers to resolve the issue, and he's determined to stay on the air there. Uh, He said, we love Israel. The last thing we want to do is be a cause of division over there. Speaking of love, the Templeton Foundation showed some love this week to Francis Collins, a world-renowned geneticist and director of the National Institutes of Health. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Collins is the 2020 recipient of the Templeton Prize. Uh, the award valued at about 1.1 million British pounds, and that turns out to be about 1.3 million in U.S. dollars honors individuals who use scientific advancements to answer the deepest questions related to humanity's existence and purpose. Uh, Collins is perhaps best known for leading the Human Genome Project, which successfully mapped and sequenced the three 
billion DNA letters that compose the human genetic instruction book and for advocating for the holistic integration of the Christian faith to science. Today, he's the longest serving director in the history of the National Institutes of Health and has been a large supporter of biomedical research all around the world. The prize was established 47 years ago by Sir John Templeton, an American-born British investor. It was originally called the Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion, and past recipients have included Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and one of my mentors, Chuck Olson. His 2006 best-selling book, The Language of God, made the case for the harmony between science and Christianity. The book's enthusiastic reception led Collins and his wife, genetic counselor Diane Baker, to establish the BioLogos Foundation in 2007 to further support conversations about Christianity and science. I should add, though, that Collins' approach has been met with some pushback from both Christians critical of his belief in evolution and atheists who question Collins' scientific credibility. Now, Warren, you know Francis Collins. What do you think of him in the BioLogos controversy? Well, I have absolutely no doubt that Francis Collins is a sincere, committed Christian, though even that has been called into question by some evangelicals who are critical of him. But it is true, he does believe in what he calls theistic evolution, and the BioLogos Foundation promotes that view. But I got to say, I like him personally, have had nourishing conversations with him about spiritual matters. And by the way, he's a pretty good guitar player. Uh, I also think he's done a great job in a tough role as the director of the National Institutes of Health. Warren, we're going to take another break, but when we return, a missionary pilot has died and controversy surrounding Norma McCorvey. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Up next, Mission Aviation Fellowship this week announced the loss of one of its pilots. Uh, Joyce Lynn is the pilot's name. She departed from the Sintana uh, Papua Indonesia Airport early on the morning of May the 12th, piloting a Mission Aviation Fellowship Kodiak aircraft. Uh, Lynn was delivering COVID-19 test kits to a clinic in the village of Mamet in the Papua Highlands. Within minutes of taking off, she reported an emergency and the aircraft descended into Lake Sentani. 
Yeah, Joyce Lynn was the only person on the airplane. Indonesian search and rescue divers later confirmed uh, that she did not survive the accident. Uh, Mission Aviation staff in Papua and Jakarta are working with authorities now on the investigation into the accident. Joyce is survived by her parents and two sisters. She'd been a missionary there for two years. In news impacting the pro-life movement, the nation's largest abortion provider improperly took out $80 million in loans meant for small businesses. Yeah, affiliates of Planned Parenthood with more than 500 employees are ineligible for the Paycheck Protection Program loans, and that includes a significant number of Planned Parenthood affiliates. Will Planned Parenthood get to keep the money? Well, the Small Business Administration has asked each affiliate that received funds to return those funds. And Republican Senators Marco Rubio of Florida and Josh Hawley of Missouri have called for an investigation into why the abortion giant got approval for the loans in the first place. Marco Rubio said that if Planned Parenthood, local banks, or the SBA staff knowingly violated the law, in Rubio's words, all appropriate legal options should be pursued. Warren, I'd like to close the show today with a quick discussion of the FX Network's new documentary on Norma McCorvey. A pro-life activist say it misrepresents her life, her beliefs, and her work. Yeah, they sure do. Uh, just for a little bit of background, Norma McCorvey was the anonymous Jane Roe in the landmark Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision that essentially made abortion legal from coast to coast in this country. Now, Norma McCorvey later converted to Christianity. In fact, there's a famous video showing her being baptized in a swimming pool by evangelist and pro-life activist Flip Benham. Flip, by the way, lives here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and has become a good friend of mine over the years. She became, Norma McCorvey became a pro-life activist and her spiritual journey ultimately took her into the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, She died of heart failure in 2017. She was 69 years old. But the FX program says that she made a deathbed confession and that she was not actually pro-life and that pro-life organizations paid her nearly $500,000 during the decades that she spoke out for the pro-life cause. The documentary suggests that money alone motivated her pro-life activism. Yeah, however, the documentary doesn't make it clear that many of those payments were fees for speaking engagements as well as for travel and lodging reimbursements. So $500,000 sounds like a lot of money, but these were payments that were spread out over 20 years. And so it's really not a lot of money. And clearly, according to those who knew her, not the reason that she was involved in pro-life activism. Pro-life ministry leaders have been trying to set the record straight about Norma McCorvey. That's right. In the last 24 to 48 hours, there's just been sort of a flurry of statements from different people who knew her personally, knew her closely. Uh, Father Frank Pavone is one of them. He's the leader of an organization called Priests for Life, and uh, he was the priest who confirmed her and received her into the Catholic Church whenever she did convert to Catholicism, and he also stayed in touch with her throughout most of the last 20 years of her life, uh, including a telephone call with her 
the day before she died. In fact, Father Pavone said in a series of tweets, the mainstream media has been running a smear campaign against pro-lifers, peddling the false idea that McCorvey never really became pro-life and, in fact, was always pro-choice. Father Pavone also, again, made the obvious point that I made just a few minutes ago that most people who do something full-time do, in fact, get paid for their work. Now, what about the accusation that the pro-life movement put words in her mouth, that it paid her and told her what to say? Well, Father Pavone also said that in the early days of her conversion, she sometimes had trouble formulating her thoughts and emotions, and pro-life groups did help her figure out the best way to tell her story. Uh, Father Pavone and others who knew her admit that Norma McCorvey had a complicated and conflicted life. She had been abused as a child. Obviously, she was um, working at an abortion facility um, before she came out, so to speak. And uh, she was the reason that she was a subject of this case was because she was seeking an abortion herself, though ironically, she never actually got an abortion uh, throughout her entire life. Uh, Kristen Hawkins is the uh, leader of Students for Life America, and she knew Norma McCorvey closely as well and said Norma McCorvey felt responsibility for abortion, for the 60 million babies aborted, and for her it was a terrible burden. Uh, Kristen Hawkins also said that Norma McCorvey always spoke with passion about her pro-life convictions, which represented a huge and public shift from how she had been seen for so long up until then. The woman that I personally knew lived a painful and complicated life, but she spoke directly about how she felt about it. So do you think that critics of the pro-life movement, which include the producers of this FX documentary, have no point at all? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that most of the mainstream entertainment culture in this country is pro-abortion, and they're trying to use Norma McCorvey for their own ends. But I will say something here that I hope all Christian ministry leaders and pastors will take to heart, and that's this. If you live by the celebrity, you'll die by the celebrity. And what do you mean by that? Well, we evangelicals are far too fond of celebrities and the spotlight. We promote athletes and entertainers and even celebrity preachers into that evangelical spotlight onto bigger and bigger stages and platforms and pulpits, sometimes far beyond what is wise given their spiritual maturity. And I think in, to a certain extent, that's what happened with Norma McCorvey. And then when they have a spiritual crisis, which all of us do have from time to time, or maybe even not a crisis. Maybe we just get caught acting human. That becomes a huge problem for the person. They are, they're not allowed to make mistakes because they become public figures. It becomes a problem for the church that is trying to promote that person. Uh, if someone has notoriety or a dramatic story to tell, we throw them onto the stage just as quickly as we can. I understand your point. So what would you suggest that we do instead? Well, no one had a more dramatic conversion story than Saul of Tarsus, who, of course, became the Apostle Paul. After his conversion on the road to Damascus, though, he didn't jump into the pulpit. Uh, even though he was a mature and well-educated man when that conversion took place. Instead, Scripture tells us that he retreated into the desert. We don't know how long, but it was probably at least three years for study before presenting himself finally to Jerusalem to the other apostles. He took that long and slow road into ministry, but when he arrived onto the main stage, you might say, what he had to say there changed history. 
Now, if you'd like to read more about the stories we discussed on today's program, just go to ministrywatch.com and you'll find them right on the front page. And if you'd like to dig around into the Ministry Watch archives for hundreds of articles and other great resources, use the search engine also on the front page to find what you're looking for. And b- before we go, I'd like to thank those of you who have made a recent gift to Ministry Watch. Uh, if you make a gift of any size to Ministry Watch between now and the end of May, we'll send you a copy of the book that I wrote with John Stone Street. It's called Restoring All Things, God's Audacious Plan to Change the World Through Everyday People. It's full of great stories of God's people doing God's work in a beautiful but broken world. And as this podcast continues to grow, uh, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, If you're new to the program, welcome. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll tell a friend. But more importantly, we'd like for you to go to the podcast app and give us a rating and maybe leave us a comment. It's absolutely free to do that. Doesn't take but a few seconds, and it really helps us out a lot. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen Dubarry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Christina Darnell, Ann Stike, Sean Hendricks, and Warren Smith. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs. And I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. May God bless you. <laughs>